Welcome to Follow Your Fire, a podcast on life, work, and purpose. Join us as we reckon with the questions, what should I do with my life? Do I have a purpose? And if so, how the heck do I figure it out? We'll hear some real stories, get some real ideas about how to find purpose, and have as much fun as we can along the way. I'm Melissa Pinnell, life coach, purpose guide, and your host on this journey. I am so glad to have you along. Hey guys, back with the fifth episode. If my voice sounds a little bit like a horse, it's because I got really sick. I had to take a little hiatus from interviews and editing and all of it and just rest, which is honestly really hard for me. And of course, right in the middle of my sickness, when I'm just this walking snarful pile of snot and I actually had this red mustache from wiping my nose so much, I got this incredible opportunity to go on the local news here in Sacramento and talk about the podcast and coaching and get more ears on these interviews and ideas and this stuff that I worked so hard on to share because I know it's going to help people. And this spot on the news was scheduled right in the middle of this sickness that I didn't know I was going to have. So as I'm getting sicker and worse and it's getting closer, I'm starting to panic a little bit because I know full well I can still go on the news feeling terrible, but it just seemed wrong. Like I wanted to feel good. And I also had this fear of calling the producer to reschedule. I had this story that if I tried to reschedule, I was going to miss this opportunity to go on TV and talk about the podcast that I've worked so hard on. And this story said, just suck it up and go coughing and snotting. Who cares? Because if I don't, I'm going to miss my chance. And this story kind of makes it seem like success, like this example of success, the form of a podcast that reaches lots of people, is this elusive boat that's just steaming ahead. One that if I don't jump on, even if it means bringing germs to a bunch of people on a news team, and we're talking in the age of the coronavirus where everyone is scared of people who are coughing and sneezing. But this story said, I better do it because if I don't, what if I never get this chance again? What if I miss this boat? This is the fear that success is elusive, that good outcomes are scarce, few and far between. Opportunities, people, even podcast listeners, that these are hard to get, that I better not mess this up. And I zoom out from this story to say that I have learned so much on my journey thus far. And this is exactly the kind of story that I help other people get out of by giving them perspective and thought work and coaching. And I'm still a human and I have a brain and that brain feeds me scary stories like we're around a campfire with marshmallows in my head all the time. The difference between my life today and my former life is that now I know these are stories and I don't have to believe them. I can zoom out even in a sick and snarfly funk and see that I'm worrying about missing this new spot and literally willing to contaminate all these poor people at News 10 simply because I've got this story of scarcity going. Scarcity says, there's not enough. You'll miss your chance. This outcome is right and this outcome is wrong and it's possible to ruin something by taking a misstep. And wow, I am so glad to be able to zoom out now because that's not the truth. Those are just my thoughts. They're the thoughts of a brain that's learned over the years to keep me safe and managed, protected, although not protected enough not to get sick, but I digress. That's our brain's job to keep us safe. It's literally what's allowed our species to survive. 
Because after all, if our if our primitive ancestors had been like, I'm not going to eat these available berries because I believe in abundance. And I'm not going to fear this saber-toothed tiger that killed my brother because that's no way to live. We probably wouldn't even be alive to listen to this podcast today or experience movie theaters with seats that move into bed-like positions or watch Keeping Up With The Kardashians, which I've literally never seen. But still, why did our ancestors even survive if not to do these things, right? But seriously, our brains are wired to be in fear and that's why my brain was just doing its job to serve up this story that was like, you better jump on this boat or you're gonna miss it. But today I can realize that's a story, it's not the truth. I can remember that I can choose to believe in abundance as in there are so many ways to reach people that will love and listen to this podcast. There is no one right path. It's not like my life's optimal story is this boat that I can miss. There are many chances, many boats. And at the end of the day, if I miss one, I'll just make my own. And you can too. Your life is not a boat that you're missing. It's a boat that you're creating every damn day. Like I'm going to just start my own new station. (laughs) And I can believe in trust as in I trust that if I'm supposed to be on the Sacramento news, then maybe they'll reschedule me because I'm sick, which this producer totally did when I called and said I was a walking bacteria. She did not even bat an eyelash. She rescheduled me the next week. I went on. It was super fun. Put a clip on my website if you want to see it. I'll link it in the show notes. But this is all mind drama. Like all drama created in my mind. All of our minds do this. Do you remember how Mark Twain said, I've lived through some terrible things in my life, some of which actually happened. He was talking about mind drama. He was talking about these stories that we weave. Anyway. I'm grateful I get to use my sickness as a teachable moment of how mind drama can strike and how we're all human and so much of what has determined success in both my life and others simply involves detaching from these toxic stories and choosing new one. It's the reason I do what I do and help people to choose their thoughts, choose their story, believe in and thus create the lives that they want. And I'm really glad to be feeling better because speaking of choosing our story, I am so excited to share this interview with you. It's with my friend, Ruben Brasino Ravellis. And this was a really important interview to me to publish because we talk about something I feel is really valuable and we haven't really touched on it in this podcast yet. And that is that not everyone gets the option of asking themselves, what should I do with my life? If you're new to the podcast, that question is sort of the umbrella that hangs over the wide variety of topics we explore, questions I ask people, the interviews that you're going to hear. In all these episodes, we talk about how people answer this question, usually starting with how it relates to work, but also just how did you make big decisions? How did you decide to do this creative thing or make this choice in your spiritual life or decide to have a family or not? It's basically me asking people, how did you decide what road to take? And and often, how does it compare to your childhood idea of who you thought you would be? But not everybody feels like they have choices as a kid. Not everyone has parents that ask them what their dreams are or an upbringing that makes it seem like those dreams are even possible. And worse, some are up against parents and environments who actively abuse or belittle or neglect them. Not everybody feels that the American dream and choice is theirs to have. For example, if they're not from the dominant, white, able-bodied, English-speaking culture, or if they grew up in a time when their ethnicity 
or native language or socioeconomic status didn't seem to bring with it very much choice. I mean, some kids and young adults are not being asked what they want to be when they grow up, and they're literally just trying to survive. And while that's the kind of story you're about to hear, it's not as dire as it might sound. Sometimes the result of a kid just trying to survive is an adult who not only did, but now uses the pain of his beginning as this suitcase from which he can draw incredible empathy and understanding and depth. Rubens is also a story of duality, of grief and hope, of what it's like to live within and between two cultures, and also the duality of how we spend our time in present day. I know Ruben because by day he's the manager of a really cool and funky restaurant in Sacramento, and it's one that I used to work at. And though this is what Ruben does for work, he's also this incredibly respected mixed media artist whose work is displayed all over, whose photographs and pieces have this almost mystic and energetic quality, and he sort of dances between these two worlds. One restaurant manager, one is artist, but he kind of does the same thing in both arenas, and we're going to explore that in the interview. So sometimes these dualities within us aren't as binary as they may seem. And sometimes it's the very worst parts of our life that sand us down into the incredible people that we are. He's a great example of what one can be if they hold on through the muck of the worst life can throw at us. Just keep going and remain open to the beauty and connection that lies at the bottom of some of our worst experiences. In this episode, you're going to learn how to mine your own experiences for your gifts, how to navigate the duality that it is to be human and have these seemingly conflicting parts of ourselves, and most importantly, how to be the hero of and write your own story. I hope that you enjoy listening to this interview with Ruben Brasino Rebellis as much as I enjoyed making it. And if you take nothing else from this episode, I hope that you can remember to just keep going. You never know what lies on the other side of your pain. All right, so I cannot wait to dig into your story. From what I know, I'm already fascinated. I know other people will be too. But I like to start with a question that just kind of gives an overview of kind of the way that you see yourself. That's really more what it's about. So if you were on an elevator and you just pressed your floor, let's say it's one of those really tall elevators with like 20 floors. So you got like a little bit of time. And someone's riding it with you and they turn to you and they say, huh, what do you do for work? What would you say? I like to see myself as a as an artist and a searcher of of beautiful things in life. Mm. Okay, so let's say the next question I like to go in, and once again, this is a little bit about identity, but also yeah, to yeah. unpack it a little further for people mm-hmm. listening who are like, okay, what is that? Is that like a I don't know a coffee artist? Do you draw pictures on top of espresso? <laughs> you know, like yeah. So let's say we're at a party and we have a little bit more time and I'm like, ooh, that sounds interesting. You're an artist. Tell me more. What is that? What I do is a little bit ambiguous too. Um, I go and get real life situations with photography and then I mix it up on the computer and glitch it out and create a whole scene that I think that is the vibrations of the, of the photographs. So if I take a picture of a tree, I know I'm taking a picture of the aura of the tree. I see a lot of energy, but I'm also very, I would say, Taoist kind of photographer, which I seek meditative and, you know, very calm, you know, calming pictures because I want people to feel that too. Mm. Yeah. 
I think that it's really cool to hear you expand on this because I've so, I'm someone that has seen your art for years and it is a lot. There's this kind of, I guess, mixed media is the way to describe it. And, and hopefully we can maybe put a couple pieces on my webpage so that people can get an idea of what you do and, and what we're talking about. But anyone that sees your art can definitely see what it is that you're describing, even if we don't have the words for it. Yeah. I feel like it's my energy going into that piece. It's like once I touch it, it you know, if I am playing some music, I'll do in a certain piece, I'll play, you know, it depends on music I'll play too, because I feel that all that goes into it. I try to have positive thoughts when I'm doing it. I try to, you know, be mindful. And a lot of it, it's, you know, I always tell people creating is my meditation mm. because for me, it's like when I'm doing a piece of art, I'm just lost. You know, I'm there, you know, I don't know where it's at. I remember in a, a long time ago, I heard that, you know, you grab from the spiritual world and you bring it down to the material world. And that's what, art is you know mm. so in some sense i'm reaching out and you know finding these pieces that some sort of darkness in my childhood and i'm at peace with it you know i can do dark pieces and i and i know what they are but i've become very friends with my darkness you know and so there's different pieces that i let's say when i go to oaxaca for day of the dead my a little bit of background, you know, my mom died when I was four days old and my other mom raised me, passed away about 10 years ago. I'm really bad at time, but I was able to go back and, you know, go to Oaxaca for the Los Muertos. And when I go there, I feel at peace and I feel at home. I, I always come back infused with uh, creativity when I go down to Oaxaca, especially during that time. I think whenever you have come back, and either I have heard a story or seen a piece of art, the story around it, we can all get a sense of that magic. So, so okay, what I would love to do is, you know, we have sort of an idea of present day Ruben. I want to go back to a different phase in your life. I think mm -hmm. something that is really interesting to visit to, my, to me mm -hmm. is that point when you were a kid. And yeah. I would love to know when you were, say, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there, what what did your life your future life look like to you like if someone would have asked little ruben so what are you gonna be yeah that? well <laughs> coming from my childhood you know coming from uh growing up with a alcoholic father abusive you know more psychologically than anything else and because my mom passed away and i never met my mom so all i ever had was a all i could ever see was my dad so and sometimes with people when they have two parents they can see one that's not so good and one that's good i never had that chance so all i saw was i'm not going to be like that i don't want to be this person which is my dad so when people ask me that i think about like what i really my whole thing growing up was more i wanted to be a good person mm -hmm. so so you know i we've all made mistakes in our lives but i think that deep down that I, you know, that I am a good person <laughs> and that uh, people saw that even though if I, you know, I did something, you know, people would always understand that, that I, nature, it was a good person, right? Mm. That's why I started, you know, reading Taoism. And I think I started going to the uh, Eastern philosophy because I felt like religion uh, let me down. I felt like, I mean, if you <laughs> go back, that God let me down. Mm. 
And so when people ask me that, it, you get to the point where you just want to survive. There was no really guidance in that way. Also growing up in a, from immigrant immigrant father, so it was non-traditional where I learned English. So there was another duality. It was the Mexican life and the American life. You don't, when you grow up as a kid, you don't really want to be Mexican. So that question, I never got to the chance where I want to be an astronaut. You know, I want to be this, you know, it was more like, okay, you need to survive and you need to move past this. But my whole thing was always, I just wanted to be a good person. Mm. And I think that, I, I think I've achieved that. <laughs> I don't know, Ruben. I think you're a great person. <laughs> yeah, but that's really, that's really the, the answer for that one right there, I think. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful to have you and have you share that perspective because the thing I worry about a little bit with this podcast, and I've just yeah. decided to create it even in the midst of this worry, but is that it is a very privileged question to be able to really like struggle with like, oh, I have so many options. What should I do? Yeah. And it's not that you didn't because you are so capable. You have so many options. Yeah. You're really giving voice to that, uh, that, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to grow up as a Mexican American, you know, kind of caught between yeah. Worlds. I don't know what it's like to grow up with an abusive father who you just want to survive. So I know that there are other people, Ruben, that are going to hear that and be like, yeah, that's what I was like too. So. Yeah. I'm okay with talking about it because like I said, it's like, you know, I remember when I was a kid, we were poor, we were on welfare, you know, we, you know, just looked like this Mexican family that was, they love coming to our house to eat. I had good friends, but um, there was, you know, some, obviously some uh, uh, issues that I had to go through uh, that I carried, you know, you have these survival tools. I had to basically put myself in a bubble and mm-hmm. there's a point in time in my life where I, as a child said, no one's going to hurt me again. I was able to shut everything off. I can, re- I can remember the point in time where I just shut myself off from the world. And, and went into my own world because you have to at some point when that goes on with that much trauma. Yeah. That much trauma going on every day, you know, every day I'd have to wait and nighttime would come. My dad would get off work. He'd start drinking and then darkness would come. And within that, I think I became very, you know, but you, you look back at, I wouldn't change my life. I wouldn't change the way I grew up because if I did, I would not, I wouldn't be validating who I am now. And, but I realized that certain gifts that I had that helped me through that time are now helping me really, I'm now I'd start to see using those more as a tool now to, you know, to reach other people and talk to people about certain things. So, yeah. yeah. And I realized that when I open up more people open up way more than I ever thought they would, you know, because mm-hmm. it doesn't have power over me anymore. I can look at it. I can still go back in the time. Sometimes I'll think about when I was a kid. And I would think about what am I, what's going to happen in 25 years? Where am I going to be at? I just want to be there. And then, but now I have the ability to go back and go, oh my God, I was there. I, I survived. I, I did it. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes you don't think you will, you know, you have like, you know, you, you go into some dark thoughts. It's like everybody else. You don't want to be here. You don't want to live anymore. It, it gets to that point. But yeah. now it's like, you know, but you survive it and you move on. And lucky for me, I think I had some angels on my side. So. That was nice. I think you did too. Yeah. I think it's really, I really appreciate you sharing all of this. And 
I also think it's once again, a very unique perspective that often what we do on this podcast is we think, what did that little kid want to be? What did that little kid want to do? So we think of that kid looking forward, but what you're describing, which is adult Ruben looking backward. And I, I just feel this like warm, fuzzy, like you're like just holding him saying like, we made it kid. Like we did that. We survived and we're good people. Yeah. Which is what you wanted. Yeah, it's true. I talked to uh, my, Melissa, my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. And I said, you know, <laughs> yeah. And I was telling her like, you know, like if I were to draw uh, or paint a, a self-portrait of myself when I was a kid, it would be of me looking up at, we had, when I was a kid, we had that, this one room and it had uh, kind of high windows. And I remember just looking in through the window and uh, I would pray that someone would come help me, but nothing ever came. Like no one ever came to save me, so to speak. And the painting would have been of me as a kid looking through that window, waiting for someone to come and uh, save me from this, this where I was at. And, and the reason why I say that is because, like I said, you know, I go back now and I can see that. I can see myself as a kid in that position and you know sometimes I just smile because I'm like wow you're right you know like you said we did make it <laughs> we mm-hmm. got out of there and you know and you know like I said you know to like even my father you know we're we're I go back there now visit him we're good a little bit of therapy a little bit of energy work you know it was actually my mom my mom who raised me which is his sister kept going you gotta forgive him I'm like how am I gonna forgive him all the stuff that he did and, and did to you too with this many people telling me, you know, that I need to forgive them. And, and I did, we did it. And there was a big darkness that rose out of my body. And, you know, I don't need that energy anymore, which is, which is good. I think that's what forgiveness sometimes gives you. It gives you that ability to let go of that energy and then let that energy else come back in and, you know, and create or give another part of your life. Mm-hmm. I think that you're shedding light on something that is, I guess, another duality. And that is yeah. that we can have these really traumatic, dark very not okay experience yeah Yeah. and we can forgive and we can really make beautiful things out of them from that depth of the pain i'm just picturing some of the art that i've seen you make and it's like oh that's why because you visited that darkness yeah of course you can find that yeah do you mind if i ask how did your mom pass away when you were four days old i think she had an aneurysm so it was That's back then. Yeah. I so, mean, really maternal mortality is not at all as uncommon as I guess I always thought it was. I'm sure someone yeah. that grew up with that story knows that. So it was, it was childbirth related a couple of days. Yeah. Ago. Yeah. Luckily for me that when that happened, that my other mom came in and it was like an angel swept me up four days later and she became my, my mother. And so there is things that you, you go through in life and, and maybe that was just my path that I, that I took or that happened, you know, happened at that point. But I've still, I've learned a lot. I've learned and I keep learning. I keep um, all my mom's energies. And when I'm down in Mexico, I know they're there. I know they're with me. I know that I, my relatives are with me. So, you know, and that all is comes into the realm of art and energy because to me, art is, is energy it's you can take anything you want you can be people say i'm not an artist I'm like you are all artists you just you need to just do what you do 
cook, an accountant, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like you really, everybody is an artist in this world. And I think that everybody can do it. You're doing it, you know? I know. So, I can do it. Anybody can do it. <laughs> well, no, it's like, I'm saying like right now, you know, it's just a different form, right? Totally. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, I am right up there on that soapbox with you. I yeah. think that everyone is, the nature of life is creativity. I think what a lot of people do is that, and I say this because I've done this, yeah. they look around and think, well, sure, you know, I like to paint, but like, I don't paint like that. So I'm not an artist or I, yeah. I like to write, but I don't write like that. And it's a comparison thing. And yeah. what you're saying and where I try to live is it is all necessary. And, and really, Ruben, you're totally, you're healing. Not only are you healing yourself, you're bringing this healing to others through your art. So I do want to return to your story a little bit. So we've established you had a, a really difficult childhood. Your childhood was not yeah. the one that was white bread, cushy enough for us to have Ruben saying, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a yeah. um, doctor. I want to survive. I want yeah. to make it. And I want to hear more about as you got a little bit older, what was happening in life? What direction did you take? Like, let's say teens, twenties, what were you doing during that time? <laughs> well, that's when, when people say that you need a, a male influence in your life, especially as a guy, I, I had my older brother, but he was a teenager at that time. He did all he could because at some point, the older brother becomes the father figure. He's the one that got us into sports. He's the one that, you know, my dad was just drinking and my sisters were gone at the house by then, but they also took roles of the mom kind of deal too. So, you know, I, I fell into, I, I, we'd go to these clubs uh, or goth clubs too. And it was all for the misfits back then. It was like in the 90s. So that's when being gay wasn't out yet. It was very hidden. Mm -hmm. So you had all of us, kind of all of us misfits of society in one dance hall, mm -hmm. smoking cloves and wearing black and lipstick. And <laughs> This is cool. But, I don't know much about this subculture. So it was basically oh yeah, yeah. all the yeah. people who didn't really feel like they fit in, yeah. just got together and got all got. Yes, got all got, new item new wave romantic you would just you know release and get away from society that you thought that was overly commercialized or at that time i was in a different art art phase which music phase and but you know you, you get into these situations in life and a little more guidance would have been good in my life too but again i had the goodness of a pure person but you know what i mean sometimes things got a little dark and I say that just as far as like thoughts and going back to the pattern and, but you do, you, you know, you hide and you try to find something that finds you covered. And for me, it was, like I said, you know, that darkness was my comfort zone. And uh, mm. so, and, and little by little, you know, you met all these people. No, I met wonderful people. And I had a discussion with my friend. I said, I go, don't you remember that time when we were free? We used to go there. And she had the exact opposite. <laughs> reactions like I thought it was like different for it was different for her I felt that as like a freedom of like because I was uh my dad was hella Mexican yeah he was from Mexico and he didn't understand the American ways and me the way I dressed and all this stuff so it was a beautiful escape from the world to be in that in that scene and I met a lot of great people and a lot of creative people probably in there too just because I feel like I've heard you referencing it and it's something I don't have experience with, but if you would expand on it, I would be interested to hear. It sounds like for you, part of the identity was to do with your heritage, that your dad yeah. was really yeah. Mexican, 
I'm guessing, maybe immersed in that culture traditionally. So was that part of the growing slash growing pains was figuring out like, who am I in the middle of these two worlds? Yes. I mean, that's, that's another part. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. You know, I, I always tell people, I'm like, if I had known that recycling was recycling, uh, having a garden, having chickens was hella cool back then, I would have been like, yes, you know, but when I was a kid, I was like, how Mexican could you get, you know, like, let's not do this. I want to be American. You know what I mean? Like we stuck out. Okay. So you stuck out because, and now I'm laughing because what you're bringing up, the same things that today, Ruben, completely make you, you, which is making jokes like, oh, like is recycling cool? You're saying, but the, the like Mexican stereotype was recycling for money. Is that why you didn't? Yeah. Yeah. We were. Fortunately for us, my dad drank a lot. So recycling was part of the whole thing too. That was the benefit of it. But if there um, is a silver lining to drinking a lot, it is that yeah. kids can bring your bottles to the recycling center. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think uh, what happens when you're, when you, so it's a duality because the Mexicans don't want to accept you. Like you're not accepted as a Mexican because you're born in California. Um, and then you have this, Americans don't accept you, especially back then. They were talking about 20, 30 years, 30 years ago, you know you're not really accepted in this society, right? Because you're different, you're, you know, you're, you're just different. You know, you have different, uh, your family looks different, everything else. Uh, when I joked around about the good thing is that everybody would come eat our food, my mom, my stepmom's food, they loved her burrito. They never had that before. We were, I think the only Mexican, maybe a couple other families and then in the whole neighborhood. So they love the food. And I, you know, I see this with a lot of, of Mexicans that are first generation Mexicans and, other ones too, but mostly like I think first generation because they see a lot of th that old school. They try to bring it with them. But as you get older, like me, you feel lost without it. So you feel it's almost like a salmon that has to go back to where the sp spawn, you know, what where it happened, you know. And I feel like for myself, my DNA is uh, calling me to go back to Mexico. So when I go back to Mexico, because everybody says, well, what ha I always tell them when I go to Mexico, as soon as I hit the land, it, you know, I feel my blood starting to boil. You know, I feel my, you know, it's, it's starting to activate itself, getting alive. And it goes into my heart, then it goes to my whole body. And I feel like it's just that kind of energy from, I would say, the motherland. So, yes, it, it is a duality. It's a duality of like that I'm coming to terms with even right now. I'm 53 now. And it's, you know, it's curious to me because now I see it and now I see it and I see it, I see a whole movement of, of that happening now with, you know, with now Chicanos and, you know, where it's a little bit easier to, you know, to express yourself from like artists. You see a lot of artists doing it now. You see a lot of Chicano art, just everybody doing art, you know, so. Yeah. I do think there's something to be said for, I think they call it the cohort you're in, like the yeah. place in time during which you come of age, you know, where America was at, where California was at, where you were at, and sort of this mishmash of all of these circumstances, because what I'm hearing, and, and just to kind of zoom out, you know, so much of what I want this show to be about is not like, what do you do today? Because that's fascinating. Yeah. But how did you become the person who does what you do, who is who you are? I feel yeah. like right now and, yeah. and I think what I'm hearing from you is this real journey uh, and a lot of it does have to do with culture and, and and I keep coming back here because 
I know that there is, are a lot of people that can relate to this. Whereas someone like myself, like I come from, I guess you could say the dominant culture. I didn't yeah. have to go through that uh, back and forth because of privilege, you know, yeah. uh, all of the different privileges that exist in sort of that way the United States is set up still and was set up then. So I am so interested and just grateful for you sharing this because what I hear is this sort of arc where you journeyed away from your Mexican heritage, right? When you were in the, the clubs in the 90s, just like, yeah. you know, dad, you can have your traditional Mexican, you know, food we'll keep, but you know, the yeah, language, yeah, 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 culture, yeah. the chickens and the recycling, like keep that. I'm going to be cool. I'm goth. I'm going to the clubs. And now you're returning back to that and not like chickens and recycling. I know you're joking about that, but yeah. <laughs> to something that is just really it sounds like strongly identifying within you now. Yeah. And, and it's curious because at work, you know, I've worked at, the, I've worked in the restaurant industry my whole life, but you know, but a lot of uh, reasons why I kept my language too up to date is because I speak to, to a lot of, you know, Spanish speakers all the time. So that helps a lot too, you know, because some people, you know, you got to find a way to speak the span, uh, speak the, the language to people, you know, on an everyday basis. And if you don't, you kind of lose it. So, uh, work has helped on that too, on that level too. Of so I do just, you know, appreciate the journey that I think not only you are on, but I think that so many are on, right? If you're, yeah, my, yeah. my hubby is first generation Ukrainian and it's interesting to watch, you know, he doesn't face the same um, story by any means, but it is interesting to see his parents and him interact and, yeah. and the way that a lot of immigrant families seem to, assimilate yeah or try to and often like for example michael my hubby like he lost his language he still speaks it a little bit but yeah. like, don't speak russian we're, we're, yeah. english, we're american we're english we're speaking english and there goes the language and so i think it's really cool that you actively not only it sounds like almost you kind of saw this little spark of of heritage and you were like oh i need to fan that like that is sort of to get with my whole theme like that is your fire yeah it's sort of thread that is very much tied to your difficult childhood and you're sort of like finding yourself years and and something I'd love to hear about and I don't know when if art ever has like a specific start date well we're gonna we'll just go back a little bit to uh, my mom that raised me when my mom when she was alive I never asked her about my birth mother because I felt it was it'd be disrespectful and I never didn't want her to think I didn't love her so when she passed away, I decided that I was going to go to Mexico because my, her sons were like, let's go to Mexico, let's tour, you know, to where you're from. And I said, okay, let's go. You know, my brother's like, we should go, you know, let's go. He's always pushing me to, you know, to correct everything, to forgive everybody. You know, he's one of those guys. And, and, and I get what he's coming from too. Children of alcoholics have sim similar personalities where they think they have to try to fix everything all the time. And just like I am, I have to have all the energy around me good because I knew from when I was a kid that it would switch that one time. So anyways, back to her. So she, you know, when she Wait, passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. Having, sorry. I'm having a little bit of an epiphany here because yeah. hearing about you do that, you're very much almost like a director and that makes sense. And I'm, I'm thinking of the role that I know you from, which is you were my manager at a yeah. restaurant and you are very good at that. And I'm bringing that up because another thread I like to weave in here is that we all have these sort of skills that we, we pick up, whether it's from crappy childhoods, yeah. amazing experiences, 
But that is something that, you know, even if it might be related to needing to manage a toxic household, yeah, that is a, a real skill of yours. And anyway, that's just one of my goals here is to illuminate that often, you know, we talk about duality. I think that's definitely our theme. Yeah. Often on the back of the darkness is this um, beautiful quality or incredible skill or kind of flip side to everything. Yeah. You're right. And I will go back to, you know, to work. It's like digging into your personality. You start going, Oh, I'm that. Oh, I'm like for, for the longest time, I didn't know that I was dyslexic. So I was like, Oh, you're just a dumb shit. You don't want to read out loud. You're embarrassed. And you know, it's kind of self-diagnosis after watching some certain things and then finally realizing that, Oh, well, I don't do numbers very well. I don't do this very well. But as a person with that kind of mind, you know, your mind does different things. Right. So in work, I am not the numbers person, but I am the creative. I've always been a sensitive person. So I can sense when something is not right with people, so to speak, because of my childhood. I'm not smart like numbers wise, and I'm not smart as this and this, but I do have the ability to uh, feel what people, what they need to, to fix things. It might not be the most go by the rules kind of deal, like, but for me, it's, I'm, it's all about humanity first. Mm-hmm. You know, people are humans. If I have time, I feel, I may feel too much sometimes because it's kind of, I think I can, uh, you know, uh, listen. And, you know, sometimes people just need you to listen. And I think that's a lost art in this world. You know, people always have advice and they don't even let people finish before they start fixing them. And I have something I want to tell you about that. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just trying oh. to interrupt you. <laughs> I was like, what? Please tell me. I love that uh, I tricked you into thinking. I, I do on. think it's a lost art. I, I try my hardest to listen. It's definitely a really important skill. And, and once again, I'm going to tie this to part of your skill at the role you play in the restaurant is being able to de-escalate situations, de-escalate people. And, and, and once again, this is kind of coming together. I'm kind of seeing the puzzle pieces fit like, Oh, yeah. this is how you cultivated that. And emotional intelli- intelligence. I love touching on this because there's that quote that I've seen attributed to Albert Einstein. And I always have to actually see who said it, but it's something like we are all geniuses. But if you judge a fish's capability by its ability to climb a tree, then it's dumb. <laughs> I'm totally messing that up. But oh, no, like, that's, yeah. Like, we're all these very different animals that, yeah. yeah, like, maybe if I took an SAT, I would totally flunk. But if I need to mediate between two people who are arguing, oh, I'm there. I am, yeah. I am the person. I'm, I'm speaking as you. So I, I love that we're shedding light on that there is not one way to go about having skills in this world. There are multiple avenues that we can apply these, so. For my ability, I find what people are good at and let them perform at that point and not try to force them to be good at everything else because I know I'm not. And I know for myself that it's a waste of energy when it's not really their, I don't know, what's a bag of tea or is a tea bag? Or I like, I like tea bag. It's not their tea bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's a cup of yeah. tea. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, see? so. Once you start peeling off the, the onion skin, not your skin, <laughs> that you know you start learning about yourself and you become that person that you want to be. And some some of the stuff that you like for me was ashamed of. I realized that it was a tool, and I wish that people would have told me that back then because it would have been a hell of a lot easier to get here. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Well, you actually just sort of touched on something that I like to ask people to visit. And that is, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it as if you were going to give someone some wisdom or some advice that might be feeling stuck, or maybe they're feeling different, or maybe they had a messed up childhood and they don't have, you know, maybe like the well of experience to give them these the, the privilege of choice. And they're just yeah. like, I don't know what to do with my life. I just want to survive. What, what would you say to them? Cause we can also kind of think of this as you, you said, I wish someone had told me that just now, but let's go back to, you know, little Ruben, he's laying on the bed, looking up at that window. And you know, what would you tell him if you could talk to him right now? Well, let's see. I, I would probably tell him like, Hey, look, life happens this way. You know, life happens since things happen in life that sometimes aren't pleasant. Sometimes you have to, you know, you're, they're not ideal for what you want, but you will get through it. You will, there will be, there will be light, even with the darkness, though maybe they will go hand in hand, but there will be a way out because there was some times where it really got dark. I mean, it really, I decided that there was nothing more to live for. And I did a futile attempt when I was a kid you know yeah well what I thought it was going to be you know but then I realized like I just didn't want to go back I didn't want to come back to my dad because I didn't want to go back to that life I didn't want to be in that situation anymore I just rather just not have been anywhere but like I said you know there is times and places in our lives that kind of make us who we are and I think that all these things that I can go back and look at and I could talk to people about, there's nothing, you can ask me anything. I'm going to tell you, this is what happened in my life. It wasn't a pretty life at some ways, but then on the other level, it was a very beautiful life. Yeah. I think that that is your legacy. Yeah. You were able to survive and make it through and reach back and kind of whisper to that kid, like, Hey, we made it. We're totally not done yet. And look at this incredible, art and life and spirit and something that kept coming to mind when we were talking Ruben that I have to share with you I just saw this quote I don't know if this is it was on someone's page that I follow named Sam Lamott and the quote was the good news is you're a hero yeah bad news is you've got to save yourself and I just kept I keep thinking that with you because like you are saving yourself you have over and over and over and I have no doubt that your story is going to impact people who listen to it and can relate. So yeah. thank you so much for being so open. I wish we had four hours because I have a million more questions. Oh, there's, yeah, yeah. There is um, one, one thing that I would like to say. If yeah. that's, okay, so this is, um, I would say this is me now. This is my favorite quote. It's kind of long. And it, it, is, it is by Lao Tzu, okay? So... Here it goes. It says, and I might stutter a little bit because I get nervous and the words jumble. So it says, uh, be careful what you water your dreams with. Water them with worry and fear and you will produce weeds that choke the life from your dream. Water them with optimism and solutions and you will cultivate success. Always be on the lookout for ways to turn a problem into an opportunity for success. Always be on the lookout for ways to nurture your dream. Mm. Now so. And I think that's how I live my life right now. That would be the, and I see opportunity. I see 
beauty in life and I want to move forward with that and I want to move forward with being open to people if they want to talk about things that's great I'll talk to you about anything and so thank you for having me yeah. oh my gosh. I'm sure I confuse a lot of people because I know that I, I go zigzag everywhere so oh my gosh everyone does and yeah. and my gift and challenge is to weave it together <laughs> and and you know what trust that people are going to hear what they need to well, I am so grateful for your time. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. thank you so much. Well, have a good night. You too. All right. If you liked what you heard today, please pass this podcast along to someone you know who would benefit. It would also be awesome if you would subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It's how we attract new guests, reach more people, and ultimately change the world. I mean, imagine what kind of world we'd live in if everyone was doing something they actually wanted to do with their life. Speaking of which, if you want help finding purpose or figuring out what the heck to do with your life, hit me up. It's what I do as a coach. Introduce you to your highest, clearest, and most badass, brave self. I promise that's the version of you the world most needs. If you're interested in coaching, would like to join my email list, or if you know someone who'd be a great guest on this podcast, shoot me an email at followyourfire at gmail.com. That's followyourfire at gmail.com. Until next time, follow those fires, my peaches. Mm-hmm.